how in the fuck does SPR do these podcasts so late at night? Like we did our we did our prospect, our WHL prospect podcast, uh, he and I and Larry Fisher uh, a week ago, and like where Sean was, I think we started that at like eleven thirty at night Eastern time, which isn't as late as what I'm doing now. Uh, but it's still, still pretty damn late. As I search for the mouse for my laptop, I've got the pets tucked away. Steph's in Nicaragua. Uh, yeah, 12.43 on Saturday morning. This is what I do for fun at 36 years old, is I do a podcast before bed on a Friday night. The fact that I'm still awake on this Friday night is a miracle. It is a fucking miracle. How's everybody doing out there? I'm Tyler Campbell. Some people call me Soups. Therefore, this is called Soups on Hockey. Although today it's really Soups on a little bit on you know what and a little bit on the Oilers. So I should call this Soups on Oilers. I have called these podcasts Soups on Oilers. They're mostly about the Oilers. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to bullshit, but it's just it sucks because I've got so much always to say on the Oilers that I don't ever get to stuff that I also want to talk about. It's just that I want to talk about the Oilers more than the other stuff. So I, I really, for example, I really wanted to talk about the Leafs tonight. Really did. As the Leafs lost again last night to the Boston Bruins, four to two. They're now, if you go real 500, they're now well below 500 on the season. I've looked at their schedule coming up. It's a beast. Now, it's funny. I wasn't even going to talk about the Leafs. The Leafs schedule does get better. So people are probably, you know, they're just itching to write the doom and gloom with the Leafs right now. This is probably still going to get worse because their schedule is a beast in the next coming weeks. But as long as they're smart enough to sit there and look at their schedule in late December, January, February, March, and go, it gets pretty easy. we got a lot of wins left on the schedule. Then they'll be fine. They've hit a bunch of injuries. The one thing I will say, just quickly, since I'm talking about them already, why the fuck did they bring back Mike Babcock if they're just going to fire him? It is just like the Oilers with Shirelli and McClellan last year. I don't know why Shirelli and McClellan were brought back for the 18-19 season when it was so obvious that they needed to go and that the organization wanted to fire them after the 2018 season. No, no, well, we'll give them, we'll give them another year, but oh, if they fuck up, well, of course they're going to fuck up. Nobody's perfect. Griff's going to sit on my laptop. Literally doing this from bed. You know, I wish this was late night confessions or some shit. You know, one of those shows that used to be on the Playboy channel. Is the Playboy channel still a thing? Like, yeah, internet porn killed Playboy, didn't they? And I know that's not an original take, but shit, man. Like, I used to watch Playboy and think, oh, you know, some sounds like that. Mind you, I... I got exposed to porn way younger than anyone should. And this was before internet porn. So, yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know why the why the Leafs brought back Babcock. Clearly, Kyle Dubas wants to go with Sheldon Keefe. You know, it's not like I gotta take my shirt off. Just hold on. This is great podcasting, I know, but it's hot as a motherfucker in this bed. And, uh, you know, I still got clothes on. I just had to take my hoodie off. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I wouldn't subject anyone. I don't care if you can't see me. I wouldn't subject anyone to seeing me naked. Uh, you know, and those who have have paid for it. Not in dollars, but in therapy. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they brought Babcock back. Babcock's going to get fired. Uh, Kyle Dubas is going to go with his boy. It is a matter of time. It is stupid. That has that has poured... That is just a continual drip from a jerry can onto a fire. Like, I like Kyle Dubas. Love a lot of what he's done. That was a fuck-up. It's almost like everybody was expecting him to fire Babcock and he goes, ah, I'm going to show them. I'm not going to fire him. Okay. But you still got your boy in Toronto. Like a true sign of faith would be letting Sheldon Keefe go and saying that, yeah, see, Babcock's my guy. You know, if Sheldon Keefe doesn't get the job after Babcock, then okay, maybe I believed it. But it's just... Anyway, I wasn't going to talk about the Leafs because I got too much else to talk about. But, And that's just one thing that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to get to my WHL prospects tonight. I did a latest list for Sean here. Uh, what's today? Today's Saturday. And I did that Thursday night. It dropped. Um, yeah, wanted to talk about that, but I'll maybe do a separate podcast for that. Uh, I want to talk about a lot of stuff. Flames, Dallas Stars, San Jose looks like they're getting rolling again. Uh, St. Louis and how I think the bottom's going to fall out on them, and I would explain why, but again, I don't have time. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff I'd like to cover, but uh, obviously there's if I've got three-quarters of a show on the Oilers, you know what the big topic was this week. I wrote about it. I did a blog about it. Uh, got a lot of good feedback so i appreciate that uh but yeah frankly i'm getting burned out by the whole grapes firing um yeah i I made some notes here i don't want to spend too much time on it but jeff merrick at the end of 31 podcasts (laughs) 31 thoughts the podcast um my hat's off to him you know i i never like to do this but i know Elliot Friedman has his DMs open on Twitter. And I hate to be douchey, but I I went I had to go out of my way to message him cuz Merrick doesn't have his open. And I just said like you don't have to get back to it or anything like that, but I just that I kind of I wrote way too much that he'd probably want care to read, but uh he's got better things to do than read a uh, DM from some schmuck like myself, but uh Jeff put it perfectly at the end of 31 thoughts that you know none of us none of us care to talk anymore and we're all just looking to shout each other down and this exposed the absolute worst of Canadians in general this this was terrible on both ends this was um 
you know, an 85-year-old man getting fired for what he said, when in truth, and this is where I kind of come out on it, in truth, he was simply, well, okay, I, I, okay, let's go back here for a second. I love what Jeff said. I'll get to some more of that. Friedman has also made the point time and time again that Twitter is the absolute worst form of communication, and he is spot on. Like Twitter is just simply the message board of social media. If you've ever spent any time on an internet message board, you know that it is a fucking cesspool just like Twitter is because nobody has to give their real name, any information about themselves at all and can say whatever they want. And most of the time they say stuff that they would never fucking say to everyday people. It is... They, they get on Twitter or they get on message boards and the mask comes off and they expose who they really are. I mean, that's what the Internet's about, right? That's why we all love the Internet more than anything, right? It's because we can be and do whatever the fuck we want. And then you got the self-righteous people. And I always use Bruce Arthur as an example, but to me, he's kind of like the king of the self-righteous people, or he's definitely up there. Uh, maybe I maybe I see more of Bruce Arthur because he's technically a sports writer. Uh, I'm not sure how much he knows about sports or even cares about sports these days, but uh, but it's just one example. And again, Bruce Arthur might be the best guy ever, but the way he acts on Twitter, and again, the way he acts on Twitter, and then you get him on, uh, on uh, you know, a show like The Reporters, or I seen the hit that he did on CBC, the little panel he did on CBC uh, the other day. He's, you know, he again, he's that guy. He takes off his mask and shows what he really is on Twitter, but then he gets on you know TV and he acts like a normal human being. But, like, you know, it's self-righteous people in general. Um, it's, to me, they're the absolute worst. They're the, they're maybe the number one spark. And uh, trust me, I, I'm well aware there's a laundry list of sparks that are out there, so to speak. But, you know, when you get people who are self-righteous and whether it's an insecurity thing or just a subconscious thing that they have no clue what they're doing – they pour gasoline on the fire because they're so hypocritical about those things and they can't see their own faults. So they just they just spout off, you know, like I made the point in my blog, like like Bruce Arthur, like he shouts down people, and yeah, some of them are just fucking assholes. But some of them are probably people who are just having bad days who get sick of his shit. And don't want to hear it anymore. And he'll look to humiliate them on that public in that public form, so to speak. They probably get they probably have depression issues and mental health issues because of it. I know that that when I get in humiliated in a public setting, I have had I have I have gone into depression because of it. Not because of anything with Bruce Arthur. I haven't tweeted him in like six years. But and I actually felt like the last time I did tweet him, I felt like I got uh, struck a nerve with him and in hindsight got the better of him but you know he was he was doing his self-righteous thing so in the in his mind he, he could do no wrong he's self-righteous but i mean that's that's what self-righteous people do they 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 can't see their faults which brings me 
to maybe the queen of self-righteousness in this country right now is Jess Allen. I had no clue who Jess Allen was before this week. She'll probably be a nobody fit after 15 minutes of fame is up, but she's somebody now. What she said was in fucking incredibly wrong. What she was attempting to do was so much worse than what Don was attempting. And these these are not really original thoughts, but these are my thoughts that a lot of people have already you know beat me to the punch on. Uh, Don's intent was good. Now let me let me back up a little bit here. I'm the one who said if Don wasn't going to apologize, then Don should be fired. I didn't think that oh Don, what Don said didn't hurt anyone. It should be fine. No, what Don said, I can understand how that hurt people. That's not lost on me. I'm not the far right winger who's saying, yeah, no, oh, people should suck it up. People should suck it up, but maybe not in this particular case, but people should suck it up and get thicker skin. Absolutely, I'm on board for that. But also people were definitely hurting this and Don should have got some pretty harsh punishment. Firing? Eh, Especially after he said he was willing to apologize and actually seemed pretty like genuine in that assessment that he was willing to apologize and he should have said everyone because he meant everyone. And but I mean, I, you know, I've heard this point get brought up and it's true. You know, it's just outdated phrasing. Should a guy be fired because, and you know, especially an eighty-five-year-old man be fired because? You know, the way he phrases things is outdated. Seriously? Like, fired? I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished. Absolutely should be punished. Suspension, on-air apology. Like, you know, a lot of that stuff should have come down. Firing? Uh, that's going pretty f- You can't come back from that. You can't. And, again, like I go back to Jess Allen here. Like, you know... Don's intent was good. You know, outdated way of phrasing reared its ugly head. Nobody's arguing. I haven't heard anybody arguing and saying Don should have got off scot-free. But again, firing, just like you can't come back from it. And I'm going to get to more on that here in a minute. But uh, with Jess Allen, on the other hand, it felt, you know, she felt it was okay to discriminate against white people because she's white and you know labels white boys who play hockey oh. you know and some people some people out there would say ah now you know how it tastes look whatever happened to two rights don't or two wrongs don't make a right and that is all people seem to want to do these days is the get back they don't actually fucking care about writing anything they don't actually fucking care about, you know, ah, this is right and this is wrong and people need to be right. And, and, you know, like, all it is, all it is, is getting back at people and dancing on graves all over fucking social media. That's all you see. It's sickening. And it's on both sides. I want to stress that. It is on both fucking sides. And I know I've seen the point brought up that, you know, well, if, if you were, if you didn't think Don Cherry should be fired, then you shouldn't think Jess Allen should be fired. No, no. 
And I mean, even one of my very good friends has made that point. Um, and I liked it on Twitter. Uh, I got to admit, I didn't realize I misread what was said, but um, the standard's been set. The standard's been set. Jess Allen should be fired. At least a heavy punishment. But probably fired because the standard's been set. And again, what she said was much worse than Dawn. She should know better than Dawn. That's another thing that's not brought up. If she's so progressive, then why in the fuck would she label anything like that? Would she be labeling anyone, period? Like, I'll tell like, it just, but the standard's been set. The standard has been set. Should Don have been fired? Probably not fired. Not if he was going to apologize. If he wasn't going to apologize, then okay, he shouldn't be fired. But it sounds like he was willing to apologize and they still asked him. She should be fired because the standard's been set. And what she said, in my mind, was worse. It was measured. She should know better. It was worse. But again, self-righteousness, the reason she said it was because she thinks that, oh, well, if I say it against white people, it doesn't matter because I'm white. Eh, No, racism's racism. Are any of these people racist, though? No, bigotry is bigotry, I should say. Because the whole racism thing, I mean, good God. Is, somebody calls somebody else a racist one more time. Like, it's just nauseating. The word has lost all meaning. You know, it just has. Um, as for CTV, Bell Media, and I've thought this on some things in the past, but you guys are a fucking joke. That apology issued, both from her and from CTV was a crock of shit. The CTV one especially. Claiming it's an opinion show so she can say that, it's disgusting. Because if she said those things referring to any other race, the whole fucking country is coming to get her. Le- far left, left, right, far right. Maybe not the far right. But... Just about everybody's coming to get her if she says that about another race. It's fucking disgusting. And there shouldn't be enough with the double standards here. Like enough. That is enough. Because again, it goes back to, you know, you're not actually trying to fix the problems in society. You have no interest in actually trying to fix the problems. You're just trying to do the opposite of what the problems are. You know? So... (laughs) How, you know, oh, well, you know, white, uh, oh, sorry, I'm blanking on the term right now that always gets used, white privilege. Like, I'm sorry, so like in 50 years, if, you know, this progressive movement works and, you know, white privilege is no longer a thing, like, so like another race should be at the top? Because that seems to be the way you're angling it, you know? Oh, women deserve equal rights to men. Yeah? I don't know one person who doesn't agree with that. Not one fucking person. 
But that's not what is actually going on here. They don't mean women, women should be equal to men. No, no, no. They mean women should be above men. And no, we're people. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure somebody listening to this will say, you're wrong, and this and that. Look, I know in, I know in every fucking way, I am so goddamn secure in my beliefs and my position. I'm not self-righteous. I mean, fuck, listen to this podcast. I rip on myself nonstop. I know I'm a good person. I know I'm nothing racist. I know I'm nothing sexist. And, you know... You want to take issue with what I said? Come at me. Come at me. Because what I'm saying is we both, both sides, left and right, grow the fuck up. Grow the fuck up. Now, I said I was going to get back to it. Back to grapes. Let's be honest about this. If you don't know this, Rogers and Sportsnet, don't try to act as though you did this because it was, quote, the right thing. Nope. You didn't do it because of that. You did it because that was your opening. That was your out. You had an excuse to get out from under his contract and you took it. They've been destroyed financially, bleeding money profusely thanks to the NHL package that they did in 2013, late 2013, which is why so many other Sportsnet personalities have gone and never been replaced. Darren Millard, Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean, a bunch of other guys too. There were rumblings this summer that Don wasn't going to be brought back. And this was their out. They got, they got pushed back on that. And so they caved and brought him back. But this was their out. It's the only reason it happened. Public pressure sp- Bear me. Didn't hear that one advertiser was threatening to drop out or any of that shit that would actually spurn a firing. Had nothing to do with it. Saving money was the only fucking reason this happened. Like, it just, I, I, you know, I said I'm burned out by it and it's 1.05 a.m. and I just... I get rolling on this shit though, and like, like I mean, probably ninety percent of us. This is another point I was actually had written down. I was gonna make probably ninety percent of us out there um, understand the opposing views of the other side and share the desire to right the exact same wrongs as one another. But nobody ever wants to discuss it and and reach a compromise, come to find common ground. Um, you know, nobody wants to bridge the gap. I said this to one of my closest friends a few times now, like. It's not that we're picking teams so much. It's that we're picking the wrong teams. Like, I know guys who are diehard Oilers fans. Can't stand to be around some of those guys. Just because they're an Oilers fan? Fuck, man. You don't think there's jackass Oilers fans out there? I always laugh when fans say, ha, typical, put, you know, team name here, fans. Typical Flames fan, typical Oilers fan, typical Canucks fan. No, typical fan. Doesn't matter their allegiance. Typical fan. Because that's how fanboys are. They're illogical. Most of them. And some of you are listening to this right now. And I'm not meaning to... Maybe you're a fanboy, but you're not illogical about shit. So I thank you for that. 
but a lot of fans are. I try not to be a fan. I, I admit I am one, but I try very hard. You know, I, I don't, you know, I try to be logical about this stuff. You know, I try, you know, I always say I try to be a hockey fan first, an Oilers fan second. Well, I don't try to be, I am. But, you know, like, I, I want nothing to do with a whack job Oilers fan. I know guys who are Leafs fans and they're Flames fans, not diehards, whom I'd rather watch an Oilers game with because they're sane and rational people. Politically, I've said this, I lean right. I didn't want to say it before, but I mean, it kind of, you know, between elections and this mess and it's just like is kind of couldn't hold back, you know, anymore. But I mean, just because I lean right, I mean, nothing of a racist or a bigot, you know, I, I, I believe global warming is real, that gay marriage is okay. I don't care what uh you know who a man or woman wants to identify as like i i just i can stand understand both sides in an abortion argument like and i'm certain there's a shit ton of people out there who lean left who completely understand what the right believes in you know like but everybody's wanting to pick teams right now and if you're left, hey, let's team up with these whack jobs who are on the far left. Woo! Antifia! Woo! Let's team up with these whack jobs on the right. You know what? The KKK, they've had some good ideas over the years. I never thought about it, but fuck are they right? No! The fuck is everybody doing? Look to the center. Join team fucking center. Like, Jesus Christ, anyway. Uh, okay. Political rant. Done. That's it. That's all. <laughs> uh, one of my best buddies. You know, close buddy of mine. He leans left. Talk to him all the time. He's rational. You know, like... <laughs> you know, yeah, there's... there's Like, you know, I won't get into it anymore. If I could... I, fucking hate politics because in the end you get around an election say for example and one side is telling you how their scumbag fraud is better than your scumbag fraud okay on to hockey on to hockey Hope some of you enjoyed that, and I apologize it got as political as it did. And I shouldn't talk politics because I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have the answers. But it's just it's just pissing me off how society is. You know, it's just it's just insane. And you know, I, one more thing I'll say: like, yeah, whoa, it, it's Trump's fault, and well, it's Obama's fault, and like, fuck me, this is this is nobody's fault. This, honestly, this is nobody's fault. This is not to take anyone off the hook either. But this is nobody's fault. This is just the way it's evolved. But we need to get the fuck away from it. It's stupid as shit. Okay. Okay, good things. Good things. I'm starting to think the Oilers might actually be for real. Seriously. Like, might be for real 
three or four. And while I'm not this, you know, it's not the stiffest competition in those three wins. Let's be honest here. Jersey, bottom of the league. Anaheim have been awful since a hot start. And Colorado, they brought the Colorado Eagles to that game with Nathan McKinnon at center. Like, this has not been the stiffest competition, but in saying that, three wins, three statement wins. All three of them, statement wins. Disgusting effort in San Jose the other night. You need more than one 6-2 win against the Colorado Eagles starring Nathan McKinnon uh, to prove that the game in San Jose was just a one-off and really you're a studly team. You like that, studly? Like seeing Jones up. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I saw chunks of the game uh, Thursday night. I had hockey so myself, so I didn't get to see a lot of the game. So I, I can't tell you how Jones played from all reports. Good. I read Jonathan Willis's write-up about it in the uh, Athletic. You know, it seemed like it was good. Um, when Adam Larson comes back, which is right on the horizon from the sounds of things, um, and assuming they stay healthy for, you know, to between now and when he gets back. What I'd like to see on defense, because they'll have a decision to make, and I think I think it's pretty, I'm pretty certain that they'll send Pierce, or that they'll send Jones back down. But what I want to see, or what I'd prefer to see, is Pearson go down, which I think we all think, if he gets a month or two in the AHL, it'll do him a lot of good. And for me, I would like to see Benning come out. And now I've never been the biggest Matt Benning fan on this podcast, but people get my dislike, quote unquote, of Matt Benning confused. I don't dislike Matt Benning. I dislike the fit of Matt Benning with this hockey team, although that's not what I'm saying here. But then why am I saying have Matt Benning come out? Well, I'd want Matt Benning to come out because Jones can move the puck. Not just that, more so he can skate it. Plus this team that needs two things. Needs to get much faster and needs to have a strong ability to move the puck while he brings both. So I want him in the lineup, obviously. And now that he's up and playing, it might open Dave Tippett's eyes like, holy shit, this, we need this on the club. Um, but why not, you know, people would say, well, why not Russell since Benning is a right shot? Well, both Jones and Russell can play the right side, especially on the bottom pairing. And I wouldn't, this is the bigger point, I wouldn't do anything right now to hinder Russell's potential trade value. And I know that that's a long shot. $4 million hurts. His no trade hurts. Right now, it's only a 10-team list. It does expand to 15 on July 1st. But, you know, 
I can't help but think that once Winnipeg gets the Dustin Bufflin stuff resolved, they would have interest in possibly acquiring a kid like Chris Russell. And I, I really believe another team on the prairies that's in good shape, Chris Russell seems like the type of guy who he'd be that would be a team that he would okay a trade to. Just in my opinion, maybe I'm totally out to lunch there. And Chris Russell's 10-team list that he'd okay a trade to are Arizona, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, Tampa Bay, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> you get my drift? Like, maybe maybe that's the case. But I have a feeling that it would be a lot of Vancouver, Winnipeg. Uh, maybe, you know, it'd be teams. I think there'd be a lot of teams on that list because I know this is what a lot of players try to do with their no moves to maximize it so to speak is they'll put teams on there that they know there's no chance of them getting traded to you know so he chris russell would okay a trade to calgary for sure without a doubt because it's unlikely the others would trade with them uh tampa bay is probably on there because he knows tampa bay would never trade for him They'd never want that contract. Toronto's probably on there. Same thing. He knows Toronto would never trade for him. Um, So anyway. But yeah, I wouldn't do anything. You know, if you sit Chris Russell, which I could make the case for. Although Chris, you know, Chris Russell, bottom pairing, especially if he's got a puck mover next to him, should be fine. Uh, So they're really, you know, probably value him more than Benning. But, I mean, ideally, you move Chris Russell out and Jones and Benning as your bottom pair, and I really like that pairing. You know, you give me the choice of Benning or or Russell, you know, contracts obviously factored in. I'm taking Benning pretty much every day of the week. Um, Here's another thing, though. At $1.9 he's an RFA this summer. Are the Oilers really going to qualify Matt Benning? Because is he more than a bottom pairing guy? Because if he's not, which he isn't, then why are you giving a raise to a bottom pairing defenseman when you've got bottom pairing defensemen who don't eat up that kind of salary? Like I could make an argument that Pearson's at least as good as Benning. He's not going to command 1.9 or more. Just food for thought there. I like food. Had some nugs tonight. Delicious. Oh, haven't had nugs in a while. But, you know, Steph's out of town. Friday night hanging out by myself. Oh, by the way, watch the Chuck and Tito 30 for 30. Oh, damn, was that good. If you're a, if you're a guy who is, or at least was at one time, like myself, a diehard UFC fan. Oh, oh, this is so good. I I was blown. I, I knew it was, I, I knew I'd want to watch it. But this thing was so much better than I even thought it would be. Plus, I got to see a bullshit countdown of the... Uh, what were we at? I think it was top 30 were left. 
of all-time best NFL teams. Um, yeah, I know the 72 Dolphins went 17-0. and um, Any historian will tell you that that team faced an absolute dog shit schedule that season, and they're not the best team of all time. You know, the Chicago Bears lost one game. It was to what was damn near their Super Bowl opponent on the road when they were already, I want to say, 13-0. and And they, oh, and they were without their starting quarterback. That's the best team of all time. Or if you want to say the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 78 Steelers, that is a much better team than the 72 Dolphins. The 84 49ers are a better team than the 72 Dolphins. The 89 49ers are a better team than the 72 Dolphins were. I'd probably argue that the... I hate... It's always the 92 Cowboys on those lists. The 92 Cowboys get all the glory. The 93 Cowboys were better than 92... The 93 Cowboys lost their first two games because they didn't have Emmett Smith. And and then they lost one to Miami because Leon Lett was a moron. Okay? There's three of their four losses. Three of four that they lost were because of legitimate reasons. And I'm not saying they should be the best team of all time. But that should be considered the best Cowboys team of the 90s Cowboys. And everybody always shits on them and gives, and gives it to the 92 Cowboys. Hey, the 92 Cowboys, I mean, they're very little difference. But in 92, you know, the 92 Cowboys caught everybody by surprise. The 93 Cowboys caught nobody by surprise. And were just as dominant, if not more dominant, once they got their running back back. Anyway, I went off on a real tangent there and got totally off topic. So yeah, that's that's what I would do with Jones. <laughs> not Jerry, uh, Caleb. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do, I hope he stays up. I'm guessing that he goes back down. But at least they're hey, at least they're playing them and playing them with Clefbaum too. I like that. You know, it, it's even though he's in the top four, and I don't, you know, kind of cringe like, oh, don't throw him to the wolves like Hitch did last year. But at least, at least if you're going to throw him to the wolves in a top four role, you're giving him the best defenseman on the team on the other side, and not Adam Larson. So. It's not to shit on Adam Larson, but he was terrible. He's been terrible the last two seasons. Like, let's just be honest. I think he knows that too. Hopefully, we get the 2017 Adam Larson uh, when he comes back here in about a week. Um, but again, it's it's exciting times for other fans. Best duo in the league right now. Like, I don't even need to mention them. It's just. The Connor's one, and you could probably Leon's as high as four. Like you could argue that. I'm not saying that's the case, but they're just amazing. Uh, best duo in the league right now. Teams performing far better than expected. Even though, again, a lot of the teams beatable competition. Like I did expect them. I said it the whole time. I said they should be first in the Pacific after October. They were. I. 
didn't think, I, I thought this was going to be tougher, but then when we got into November, all of a sudden the schedule wasn't as tough. You know, you get Colorado with so many injuries. You, you, you catch, you know, even though they humiliated themselves in the game, San Jose all of a sudden is looking like dog shit. Not lately, but, you know, were. Anaheim's come back down to earth. They they stole one in Pittsburgh, literally stole one in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, they even the, you know, the loss to Arizona, I, th- I had that as a loss. You know, I, I'm expecting good things at Arizona. You know, the St. Louis game. I mean, they were within a goal. They didn't play bad in that game. That's another team I was going to get going on. And uh, I said that off the top, didn't I? But yeah, the bottom's going to fall out on St. Louis. I don't know. Watching them on that Western road swing, it's just like, man, they're, they're getting by. They're getting by on their confidence right now more than they're getting by on quality play. It's like they're flipping a switch all the time, and I'm not a fan of that. That was the 2018 Nashville Predators were doing that. And I said, they came in Edmonton late March that year and came back, won a game, either late or an OT. I said after that game, they're not going far in the playoffs because they, they wasn't just that game against Edmonton. They're doing it every night. They're flipping the switch. And, I mean, they nearly got punked by Colorado, a bad Colorado team in the first round that year, and then, of course, got punked by Winnipeg in the second round. Um, anyway, yeah. They're, things are going real good. And, and and they've got kids, even with Jones coming up, they've got kids in Bakersfield who are still there who are going to make this lineup even better when they're finally called up. And I'm not clamoring for them. I'm not shouting for them to be called up right now. Not at all. A lot of people are. I'm not. Things are rolling. Just, hey, just let them keep developing. This is a bonus year if the Oilers make the playoffs. But Yamamoto and Benson... Like they're two kids, minimum two kids, that are going to make this lineup better when they get up here. And you could argue maybe three in Marodi. And if you want to say a fourth, obviously you would say Bouchard. I don't think Bouchard should be called up this season at all because that contract slides. And so, like, let's just make sure, if I'm Ken Holland, let's just make sure that we get all that we can out of that ELC. So if we don't need it, you know, what's the point of kicking it in this year, right? So they're in real good shape right at the moment. Am I sold on them? No, I'm still not completely sold on them. I'm getting closer to saying that, but I still need to see some tough wins. You know, this one today, Dallas, this would be a good win. Even though, again, they're kind of catching Dallas at a good time. This is the third and four for Dallas. And, I mean, the four, or the, the third, sorry, like it's it's less than four because it's a two o'clock start. Like this is a tough turnaround for Dallas, who are red hot. I don't know why everybody was writing them off at the start of the season. They are red hot. Okay. Let's see what we're at for time. Like always, 42 minutes. Okay, so I've left myself about 17 minutes here to talk about, again, Taylor Hall. Uh, First of all, I don't buy the guy who tweeted that shit yesterday. Uh, I think he's making it. I, I don't think he's making it up, but like a ton of rumors that you'll hear from non reputable sources. 
And this guy, he, he's not the, he didn't look like the type of guy to just throw shit against the wall and hurt himself. But I just, I don't think he heard that from nearly as reliable of source as he thinks it is. That's what you get a lot of. Yeah, you know, I hear a lot of rumors from guys saying, well, this guy knows this player real well, or this this scout said, I don't think we realize that these guys aren't as connected as we believe they are. I don't think scouts really know what's going on. And that's where a lot of this shit will come from is, well, this scout told me, you know, like, just, yeah. I'm not buying that Darren Ferris or Taylor Hall said anything directly to this guy, which is the source that you would need. Unless it comes from Friedman or McKenzie or to a lesser extent Drager or to a lesser extent LeBron. Probably put LeBron above Dregs these days. I Dregs doesn't have a isn't having a good go of it here the last few years, but Especially when it comes from Darren Ferris, though. <laughs> You'd probably be getting it from Dregs. Uh, you know, look at the Mitch Marner stuff. You know, not just not just Paul Marner, but also Darren Ferris, Dregers got a relationship with. Uh, oh, and Chris Johnson's another one who doesn't get very many hot scoops. You know who's getting a lot of scoops these days, ironically, is John Shannon. Broke the news about grapes. Uh had had the TJ Brody stuff before anybody that I saw. Like, he's breaking a lot of stuff after he's done. And that's another guy who got, you know, let go by Rodgers. You know, like, he's he's killing it now way more than he was. Anyway, so the Hall stuff. Um, The flip side of this is again, and I've said this on this podcast before, Friedman and Stauffer have both been like hinting at this and basically saying it since last February. It was right around the trade deadline last year. The Friday before the trade deadline last year, Stauff and Friedman were discussing it openly. Friedman went on someone's podcast that a week before the trade deadline and and talked about how if he were GM for the others, he'd go get Taylor Hall. And everybody today acts like, oh, he'll never come back here. Yeah, no, he will. And I don't know that for a fact, but reputable people suggesting that the Oilers would bring him back, they're not saying that unless they know that he would do it. Okay, so like, let's get that through our heads. And again, I'm going to say this. It, it's very doable to bring him back because you're not bringing him back as a rental. If you're going to get Taylor Hall, especially with the Oilers situation right now, where this is essentially a freebie year to, to, to get things straightened out. And so like I've called it a, a, a one-year rebuild the whole time. But they're not they're not going all in on a cup this year if things continue to go like this. Like it's just not you know maybe maybe Ken Holland will look to do a few things, but yeah, you know, it, it'll be minimal. If they're actually serious about going after Taylor Hall, he's got to keep his bullets as many bullets in the chamber as he possibly can. 
but it's it's very doable. I've done a few models on how you can make it work for next season and for the year after and so forth. And no, you don't need to trade a Nugent Hopkins. And no, you don't need to trade a Darnell Nurse. Do I get to that part yet in my notes? No, not yet. <laughs> but I, I fully believe I'll get to Nurse, don't worry. I fully believe, though, that they'd be near the top of his list. And, I mean, for starters, the only team we've heard rumored connected with Taylor Hall is Edmonton. Now, there's teams. Montreal has cap space. Colorado has cap space. Like There's teams out there with cap space for this summer. And I'm not saying that he, without a doubt, is only coming to Edmonton if he goes anywhere. Um, but, I mean, like... I fully believe it's at near the top or at the top of his wish list because he's close to Connor, close to a lot of guys on the team. Uh, it's a brand new regime that traded the, the guys that traded him. Uh, nobody's here who, you know, Stoffer said this before. Nobody's left who were on board for trading him. Um, you know, he grew up watching Ken Holland be the best GM in hockey. That's another thing. Uh you know, most importantly, he knows how insane the atmosphere would be in the city when the Oilers finally start winning constantly. And, you know, that last part sounds fanboyish, right? Well, Friedman, again, has reported this in the past that, you know, Elliot said he wants, he wants a hockey-mad market. Like, he loves the pressure cooker. He apparently, like, it's not just in Edmonton. Like, apparently when Jersey made the playoffs, like, he just, he absolutely loved that. He loved the the atmosphere and the intensity and all that stuff. Okay, but anyway, um, back to Nurse, the potential. Ah, there. Um, and again, this is this is if they were to trade for Hall. I'm still not convinced they would look to trade for Hall. I think they would look to sign Hall if he's available July 1st. But as for a trade, I think something would have to happen to do a trade. I'll get to that too. Um, first thing I want to say on Nurse, the Oilers analytics crowd, like they just can't seem to wrap their heads around what the guy would be worth. I just, I've heard this forever. Get rid of Nurse. Get rid of, they should trade Nurse. They should trade Nurse. They should trade Nurse. And it's always like they should trade Nurse for someone who's terrible. Or not near the trade value. Like you think with the analytics guys, the one thing they'd have a real good grasp on is trade value. And at least in this case, they don't seem to. And again, far from anti-analytics. But it's just the guys who are hardcore analytics just kind of seem to get lost on certain topics. And this is one of them. Taylor Hall, if he's leaving Jersey, is not the same trade value as Darnell Nurse. He has less trade value than Darnell Nurse. So, and I think it was Dennis King, you want to give up Nurse and Pooley-Arvey? Fuck, man. Are you drunk? Like, I'm sorry, but shit, man. I'm not trying to be a dick to anyone. But what the fuck? What the fuck? Nurse has more trade. And this isn't even me being a Darnell Nurse homer. He's what, 24? He turns 25 in February? Still has, and I, this is the other thing people can't seem to wrap their heads around, is Nurse's ceiling, like he's still not close to it. This is guy is this guy's still developing. How do I know this? I don't know, because we've seen this guy's game develop the last fucking four seasons. 
Like this is, he's just continually growing. So why do you think, well, he's topped out now. Yeah, you guys have said this three years in a row. And guess what? He's continually got outperformed what you've expected. Like, anyway. Um, second point I want to make on Nurse is, and I might have jumped to the third already, but second point I wanted to make on Nurse was, Anyone close to the Oilers have always said that he is beloved in the organization. And I'm not talking just in the dressing room. Like, the whole front office thinks the world. And I remember hearing something uh, a few months ago that suggested, and I can't remember what it was, and I apologize, but it suggested that uh, this regime loves him just as much as the last one did. Because I wondered with Ken Holland, I wondered, okay, a, a guy like Nurse who's more physical and whatnot, maybe Holland won't like him as much. No, apparently Holland's a big fan too. But, I mean, geez, like it just drives me nuts with guys saying, well, you know, give up Nurse and give up Pulley Like Nurse is just a prospect, you know, a stud prospect defenseman. No, is a 25-year-old or not even yet 25-year-old, like, guy who's a top four defenseman has potential to be a number one like he's still growing you know and the same guy who suggested this also suggested to me two years ago on twitter that he would you know the right move on nurse is to bridge him well i was screaming from the and i'm not a guy who pat myself on the back and say i told you so i told you so but on darnell nurse i fucking told you so and go back and listen to a podcast or read what i wrote i fucking told everyone so Zach Lang is a guy who follows me on Twitter. I don't know why. Thank you, though, Zach. But I remember Zach saying something and something he wrote about, I think it was on Oilers Nation, about, you know, I, I, I actually think that Nurse might might get up to like 4 million or 4.5. It was something low. And I just remember I tweeted at Zach and I said, who? No, 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 no. Darnell Nurse, if he's getting extended seven or eight years, he's getting way more than that. He's moved in at that time. The comparisons were Matheson and Slavin. He had the same fucking numbers as both. The exact same number. Slavin got seven years, I think, at 5.3. And Matheson got eight years at 4.875, something along those lines. Yeah, it... uh, Nurse was more in that category. I was screaming from the rooftop, so get him paid eight years, 5.5, maybe even as high as 5.75. Now they're looking at eight years and seven mil, maybe even higher than that. They'll be lucky on the lucky side. The max that they'll get lucky on them is 6.5 per. That would be getting lucky, though. But I mean, the final point, though, again, and I kind of hit on it already, but like Nurse is still growing. I think of a guy like Brent Burns. Brent Burns didn't start to hit his stride till he was about 28, 29. That's the same thing with Nurse, man. You know, he's never had, I say this repeatedly, I write it repeatedly. He never had to think the game coming up. He was blessed with everything. And he, and it, you know, not just didn't have to think the game, but he's an intelligent guy. OHL Scholastic Player of the Year, 2013. You listen to him interviewed, he's thoughtful he's he's really a sharp sharp dude first time i saw him 
interviewed was on Coach's Corner, ironically, uh, on that pre, pre-draft, you know, Stanley Cup final segment they do at the top prospects. And I, before I knew that he was OHL's Classic Player of the Year. And I said, holy shit, is Nurse smart? I swear on my life, I thought that. And then I found out that he was Classic Player of the Year. Works his, like, has the best work ethic on the team from every, you know, every account. Every physical gift. You can, the, the kid is just going to continue to grow. You know, he, he is. And so, fuck, I'm at four minutes left right now. Uh, and I don't want to stop this and start another part. Um, so, yeah, um, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to. So I'll do it right now. And I'm back even though it sounds like I never left. Um, God, I hate having to do that. That's so annoying on this Anchor app. But I know I say that every time. But um, So anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, with how much they have coming. Okay, so I know that his next deal, nurses that is, as I said, it, it, I think it's going to be about $7 million per. If anything less is bonus. Uh, I know it's a big ticket, and I get the logic. I get the logic, and I'm going to guess what was actually meant wasn't so much, I hope anyway, wasn't so much that they should trade Nurse and Pulley RV for Hall. Maybe it was a thought process of build a package around Pulley RV perhaps and get Nurse off the books because of what's coming on the blue line they can afford to get, you know, not pay nurse seven mil. I understand it. But, I mean, the same people who would argue get rid of nurse to save on the cap would be the same people who argue don't give up D-men and let's make sure you're loaded on D and let's say depth on D is the number one concern. Like, it's it's so contradictory. Um yeah, like I understand the logic, but I just I I don't I don't believe it's the other thing too. I I just don't believe that they'll do it. And uh Yeah, like I just sorry. I'm just reading what I wrote cuz you know, now that I had to restart my podcast even though it doesn't sound like it. Uh <laughs> I'm lost in my notes, which I was actually doing a decent job sticking to and kind of staying on point other than that whole rant on uh, the NFL team rankings and how the 72 Dolphins are so grossly overrated. Uh, I'm a bit of a football junkie. Um, but by the way, Miles Garrett, shout out. Man, that's cool. Another thing to consider, though, like Hall's 29 this time next season. You want to give a guy about to turn 29 a seven-year deal, probably looking at $12 million per? Like, how is that 2016 free agent class doing these days? You know, I've seen a bunch of guys talking about that on Twitter. That's cool. Now, having said that, Taylor Hall is going to age a lot better than those guys do. A, we're talking about a guy, you know, pretty close to an MVP season or pretty fresh off an MVP season. Two, Taylor Hall's skating ability um, means to me that he'll age gracefully. And (laughs) despite, you know, people early in his career saying, ah, this guy's injury prone, 
no, no, not really. Like he had the had the thing with the knee last year, but injury prone has to be recurring injuries, and I don't think it's ever been recurring injuries with Taylor. So no, he's he's fine. Keeps himself in great shape. Real high hockey IQ. You know, I think he'll age a similar way to how Phil Kessel's aging. Phil Kessel's game really isn't dropping off that much at all. It's really not. So, anyway, that's... that's the. But you have to consider the age. You have to consider the dollars. You know, and and like here, here's the other thing too. Like the others, if they sign Taylor Hall, they would essentially be following the Leafs model. Like how's how's that working out these days? Not to shit on the Leafs at all. I talked a little bit about them early, but and I, I'm again, I can't, and I say this every fucking podcast. If I ever shit on the Leafs, I I like the Leafs. I'm not one of these guys that just blindly looks to shit on the Leafs, but you know, I just that model right now, you know, Tavares got hurt and then Marner got hurt. Like when one of your top guys goes down, it severely impacts your team. You know, like do you really want to lack that kind of depth? The Blues had depth. Caps had depth. Pens had depth, Hawks had depth, Kings had depth. Name the fucking team that didn't have depth who won the cup. I'll wait all night because I don't think you can come up with one. Like, I, it just doesn't happen, man. It's not a sexy quality. Depth is not sexy. I remember... I as a kid I used to hear that when teams had depth and I used to think Jesus fuck like could we could we quit talking about depth what a pointless thing to talk about depth that's such a cop out doesn't mean anything no it's pretty important pretty fucking important so if not Hall how about this how about this trio and it's so ironic Stoffer talked about these two guys with Friedman today. I was texting with my buddy Colin about them maybe an hour before. And I've thought of, and I've been saying this for well, for sure to Colin, if not to a couple guys for, for weeks now. Do you rather have Hall or what about JG Pajot? And Anthony or Anthony Andreas Athanasiu. And then re-sign Cassian. Like, with the money you're going to give to Hall, you could do all three of those things. You know, would you... Athanasio got 30 goals last year. Like, is, is the extra points from Hall worth the extra, like, maybe as much as $7 million? I'd, I'd guess Athanasio a little, you know, six and a half, but... I think Anthony Sioux is probably a $5.5 million a year player. Five or six year deal. Pajot, probably five, 4.5 to five. Five or six year deal. Perfect. Perfect. Third line center. Perfect. Cassian, what do you give Cassian? You know, what, what do you do with Cassian? 
And while we're at it, Ethan Bear. If if I'm Ken Holland, I am not fucking around on Ethan Bear with a fucking bridge deal. Lock him the fuck down. Six years, 24. And by the way, six years, 24 million. That's what I'd offer anyway, or the max I'd offer. Um, By the way, just a little conspiracy theory-ish. Wonder if that's why Bear's not getting on the power play. Power play's humming along without him. You know, as, as much as I'm sitting there going, this makes zero sense why Clef Bomb's being run out on the top unit power play over Bear. Wonder if Ken Holland is saying to Tip, eh, just leave Ethan off that top unit. We don't want to give him more negotiating power. We want to sign him to a monster deal and then he can start getting his gravy minutes. Just a theory, maybe not. You know, I'm, I'm watching for it when Larson comes back because my the overwhelming theory that I have is that they don't want to put too much on Bear's plate. He's already getting over 20 minutes a night. You know, if you're adding power play time, you're looking at him maybe being your top minutes guy uh, on a nightly basis. Do you really want to do that to a kid? So it, it easily could be that it's just because Larson hasn't come back, and maybe when Larson comes back, then they'll start giving him the power play minutes. Maybe, but they don't have to. Look at how good the power play is going. What are they, second in the league right now? I think spot behind Tampa for first. Probably up over 30%. I haven't got the numbers in front of me. I know they were around 29% uh, before last night, or not last night, Thursday night. But uh, anyway, I, I'm rambling. Off, I'm getting off track again. Um, the one thing, the one thing that might make Taylor Hall work more than any other thing, and I, I'm steadfast in the belief that if you're going to make a move for Hall, you, you see if he's there on July 1st. First and foremost, I don't think the Oilers are in a because again they got to save their bullets. I don't think they're in much of a position to trade for Hall, but, but, what if Jersey took on James Neal? And before you say nice, but Shiro isn't that stupid. He's had a nice start. I get it, Soups. He he looks like he's back to himself. But Shiro's not going to fall for this after 20 games. Like, come on, man. He's going to have to prove it a lot more than that. Plus, you know, it's a still got years left on his deal. Why would Shiro want to take that on? Yada, 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 yada. Who was the first GM in the league to trade for James Neal? It was Ray Shiro. Did Ray Shiro ever trade James Neal out? Nope. Ray Shiro got fired and then James Neal got traded. Ray Shiro didn't trade James Neal. Ray Shiro traded for James Neal. And then Ray Shiro kept James Neal. Shiro might be the only GM in the league who knows Neal well, and he knows him extremely well, 
and has the cap space to acquire him. And if you're the Devils, I mean, you've got cap space beyond a $12 million a year deal you might have saved for Taylor Hall. So why wouldn't you, you know, I don't think they'd be afraid to take on salary. And I think, frankly, with that Devils team, they could actually use a little bit of size up front. Ray Shiro knows him well. Now, I don't want to get rid of James Neal. I love the way James Neal has played for the Oilers. Massive fan to this point. But if you're going to make Taylor Hall work, you've got to make tough decisions. And to me, the tough decision you don't make is getting rid of Ryan Eugene Hopkins. You know, like a guy who I view as, as a lot like Nurse, where his game is just going to continue to grow even into maybe his 30s. And in Nuge's case, it's because he was so thin and so weak when he came into the league, he's still gaining his strength. And you think that that's far-fetched. Look at Patrice Bergeron, who Nuge has a similar, you know, he's not as polished defensively and doesn't put up the numbers that Bergeron does, but there's a lot of that type of player in Nuge's game. And Bergeron has continued to ascend, or continued to ascend into his 30s. He's still a fucking first-line center. And when they won the Cup, 2011, he was drafted in 03. So that puts him at 26. You know, right around the same age Nuge is now. Was anybody saying that Bergeron was a first-line center back then? Nope. I'll never forget hearing how Boston didn't have a first-line center. Or if they did, David Krejci centered their first line with Lucic and Horton. Not Bergeron. You don't get rid of Nuge. And I don't think you get rid of Nurse. Can you get rid of a defenseman? Yep. Can you get rid of a left-shot defenseman? Yep. Does Dmitry Samarukov have the type of uh, cachet the Devils would be looking for? No. I think you'd be looking at Broberg if you were to trade. I think you'd be looking at Broberg. And this, again, this is assuming James Neal can go in the trade. You'd be looking at Broberg. I would give up a first, but I wouldn't give up a 2020 first. I'd give up a 2021 first. And the only caveat would be, you know, you got to make sure it's, it doesn't have to be lottery protected, but it's got to be top five protected. And again, and the other thing I should say too is, um, or maybe even top 10 protected. But anyway, uh, the other thing I should say is that I can't even remember what I was going to say. But, well, I mean, obviously it's contingent on Taylor Hall being signed. I'm not, I'd never, ever trade for him if it's just a rental. Unless you're in a position like, say, you know, name, name the team who's a legit, like St. Louis. St. Louis, it makes sense for Hall as a rental. Tampa, it makes sense for Hall as a rental. The Leafs, even though they have a shit ton of other needs, obviously. But it makes sense for Hall as a rental. I think you know what I'm saying there. Um, yeah, for the Oilers, Hall doesn't make sense as a rental. It has to be with an extension. But So Broberg, uh, 2021 first, that's top five protected. 
Uh, you know, I think we all would agree Pulley goes in the deal. And probably one other piece. But, I mean, that's a steep price right there. You're probably not getting a price like that. You know, it depends how they view James Neal. If James Neal's viewed as a as a neither negative nor positive asset, you know, it's that 5.75 can go out the door and you don't have to worry too much about adding too much. But, and I made the argument before um, that the last last time I talked about this, I made the argument that you might want to send Caleb Jones the devil's way. And then people say, whoa, why the fuck would you get rid of Jones? Because the way the D is right at the moment, and assuming Larson ends up going at some point, because I don't, I don't think Adam Larson is long for the hockey team now that Ethan Bears emerged and Evan Bouchard's about to break through. But, uh, like, I just... I, I just see it as, okay, they got cleft. But if you're looking at the expansion numbers, sorry, I'm getting a little confused here, and it's late. It's nearly 2 o'clock. But if you're looking at the way the expansion's gonna, yeah, expansion draft is going to work, and you've got Clefbaum and Nurse and Bear that will all need to be protected. You don't need to protect Bouchard. You won't need to protect Broberg. You won't need to protect Samarukov. You need to protect Jones. So if someone's going to have a free shot at him anyway, would it be the worst thing ever to trade him? Plus, they've got a guy who can be a bottom pair defenseman. I think we all agree at this point that William Loggison can probably take the Chris Russell role and thrive at it just as much, if not more, than Russell. So would Jones be like, you know, as much as we, and I love Caleb Jones. I don't want to lose Caleb Jones, but you got to give to get. Ideally for me, Jones goes over Broberg, but I don't know if the the Devils might love Broberg and say, no, we can't do this without Broberg. And then at that point you say, okay, well, we'll do, we'll do Broberg because you're taking on James Neal, which, you know, helps us fit Taylor Hall a lot better. And then, you know, and obviously James Neal isn't the magic pill that cures all if you're going to re-sign Hall. Russell still needs to go. That gets tricky. You might have to pay to get rid of Russell's full deal for next season. Chase on needs to go. And, I mean, you can buy him out, and it's only 700000 against the cap next season. But ideally, you'd rather get rid of the full 2.1 that I'm not sure in any fucking way why they did that deal and not only why they did that deal but why they did that deal seemingly instead of getting Brett Connolly I'll never get over that who's putting up good numbers I think six goals in the season all at even strength probably said this last podcast but all at even strength all with like the third line of the Florida Panthers like, I know Brian Boyle assisted on one or two. Anton Strahlman's assisted on a couple. Mulgan's assisted on some. Like, it's all third line, no gravy. Like, I don't know what more the guy has to do to prove, like, he's a 
very quality sniper in this league, and he was just simply a late bloomer. Guy does all his production, no empty nets, no power play time, does all his damage at the right times, and has a hell of a shot. He gets no cheapies. Well, at least last year when I went through the video on all his goals, none of them were cheap. Like, oh, anyway, it's done is done. But yeah, Chase on, it's probably a movable contract if you really want to move it. And then Larson. And Larson you'll get something for. You know, but I, I think next season or before next season, you know, barring Adam Larson looking terrific uh, when he comes back here. I I think Larson ends up going and uh you know you're you're definitely going to be able to get something for him it won't be a ton but it'll be something is my cat paws at something wakes up the dog this is lovely I don't even want to turn on the lights in this bedroom don't want to see what it is I really want to go to bed though cuz it's now 201 Saturday morning I've got an Oilers game to watch um, you might be listening to this before the Oiler game. I also got a hockey game tonight. Got to get my beauty rest for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to sum, sum up all the Hall shit, uh, assuming he wants to come, which I think he does, and assuming the Devils, or assuming the Oilers want him, which I'm sure they would like him, there's a, still a shit ton to consider and a shit ton of pieces that need to go out the door before you can fit them in. You can fit them in without moving out James Neal. You can do that. But if, if, if someone's willing or if the devils are willing to take on James Neal, then in my mind it goes from being the Oilers should wait till July 1 to, okay, the Oilers should do a deal with the devils. <laughs> uh to make sure that not only they get him, but James Neal can be, can, you know, can find a new home. Because, I again, I don't want to get rid of James Neal, but you're going to have to. The way the Oilers can make it work, by the way, with Taylor Hall, uh, you know, more than anything, Tyler Benson, Kyler Yamamoto, maybe, hopefully, Cooper Marodi. You know, uh, eventually... You know, I I still think Krill Maximov. I didn't expect Maximov to have a big season by any means, especially on a loaded Bakersfield team. Uh, they got a lot of talent on that team, man. A lot of talent. The other thing too is hopefully one of the goaltenders emerge. And I I'm not it. You know, Stuart Skinner's been shit so far this season, but I didn't expect Stuart Skinner to be awesome. But, you know, you'd prefer him to look decent rather than get lit up and be the problem with the Bakersfield Condors right now. But he seems to be. I'm pulling for him. But the other thing that I worry about, too, actually, while I'm on that topic, the other thing I worry about is that the Oilers seem to really want Skinner to be the guy. And... It's weird. I've always sat here going, "What? Why? Why don't you guys talk more about Dylan Wells? Why is Dylan Wells kind of pushed to the back burner? Why does Dylan Wells always seem to be the second guy in this? 
Well, I mean, we know why. Skinner's the Edmonton kid. But Wells is, you know, Skinner uh, in the year, you know, in his D plus one year, Skinner was outstanding. But in his D plus one year, Wells was outstanding. What was his GSAA? It was something like, it was something like 30. And the next closest one in the CHL was 18. Like it was off the charts good. And I know he had a shitty D plus two year. And he's kind of been up and down ever since. But the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of talent with Dylan Wells. And I really hope they're not just looking at him as the afterthought and Dylan Wells ends up going to another organization and thriving while they're still trying to push Stuart Skinner. By the way, anyone look at uh, Olivier Rodrigue's numbers these days? I got into it with a guy who used to be on Twitter. I don't, he's not on his, he's never used his old account. He faded out last year and I haven't heard from him since. Not going to say the guy's name, but you might be able to crack the code of who I'm talking about. But he and I got into it on draft day 2018 because I was livid at the Olivier Rodrigue uh, trade up by the Oilers. Because it was clear they just did it to get their fucking. to to get uh, someone in the organization's son again. Sylvain Rodrigue, goalie coach in the AHL. You know, they were talking about him pretty I'm never forget Jack Michaels. Oh, you might take him at which pick? The Ryan McLeod pick. He was saying, oh, yeah, they really like Olivier Rodrigue. Why do they like him? Oh, because his dad's in the organization. And I know it was a different regime. It was a much better drafting regime, but they still did it. And it was still fucking bullshit. And they gave up a third and a fifth to do it. And I looked at the draft the other day and the kids that not only went after those third and fifth rounders, but like guys who I know I had highly ranked. You know, Lauko was a guy who was right after the, I think the third rounder, because yeah, he's 77th, um, a burner who Boston ended up drafting, of course. Um uh, just a total burner. Would have been a great, great uh, addition to the Oilers prospect pool. Uh, Nicholas Nordgren was after that pick. Oh, highly skilled Finn that Chicago grabbed. Uh, there were guys in the fifth round too, and I can't uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who, who were there, but oh, there was quality there. And instead they traded up for Rodrigue. You know, not a desperate need yeah I definitely agree that stockpiling goaltenders uh is something that this organization has needed to do and has finally done and should continue to do um you know they've taken a goaltender now in the last four drafts and I like that but I haven't been a big fan of where they've drafted some of them I I wasn't a big fan of them trading up for Skinner but in hindsight, they were right and I was wrong. In 2018, I was right and it looks like right now they were wrong. Rodrigue had size issues, but also Rodrigue didn't have numbers that supported you know, being a guy that you trade up for. 
And Rodrigue's numbers have been shit ever since. And the reason I bring this up is because I started a, a Team Canada, I started looking at what the World Junior roster might look like, and I go to Olivier Rodrigue and I go, this kid shouldn't be on the fucking team. His numbers are terrible. Now, I can't tell you, I know Drummondville had a lot of guys leave after last season. Valeno's gone. Nicholas Baudin is gone. So I, I do understand that it's not the same Drummondville team. But I don't know that Drummondville's so shitty that Olivier Rodrigue's numbers should be so pedestrian. Anyway, I'm rambling and I want to go to bed. What the fuck am I doing? Um, okay, thanks for listening. This went way longer than I expected it to. Um, I like to talk. I like the talks. Um, oh, before I go, please, I don't like begging people, but please, if you could, like, share, and subscribe. I don't like asking that, but, I, you know, like, you know, and I say like, share, and subscribe. That's a YouTube thing. That's how tired I am right now. Is like, <laughs> um, if you're listening to this part, um, could you give me a five rating on uh, iTunes? You know, like, I, you don't have to, but I hate asking. But, you know, it just it just helps a guy out. You know, if you got a nice thing to say, and you could, and you got a few minutes. If you could write a good review, even if you just say, "Hey, soups, I heard this part of the podcast, and I just saying I wrote you a good review." Yeah, that's fine. But you know, I just that that's that stuff. You know, I don't like begging. I don't like asking people to take time of their day for me. But I, at the same time, it'd be really appreciated. And the subscribe thing, you know, you get the podcast a little faster. You know, I uh, caught one of my buddies. Caught a couple of my buddies uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, they don't subscribe. And that was a huge kick in the balls. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but it's like, fuck, man, really? Like, you can't just you can't just do me a, a solid and just hit subscribe? Like, I'm not even asking you to r- listen. If you hit subscribe and simply download my shows, that's enough. You don't, you literally don't have to listen. You know, there's no, there, there's, you know, it's, you know, being honest, there's no way to track who actually listens. At least not that I've seen. I, I can track the downloads, you know, and I, I do fine, but, well, it does say who's listened, but I always assume that those are the downloads. But anyway, that's on, that's on Anchor. But um, yeah, if you, you know, give a five-star review, uh, hit subscribe helps helps so anyway okay i gotta go to bed uh thanks for listening uh you know check out the site soupsonhockey.com check out my whl top 10 there's actually you know 20 players that i wrote about but it's uh you know i talked about you know i did there's three guys out of the aj that i talked about two that you should know by now one that you don't uh guy from the bc league ethan bowen uh, you know, six honorable mentions from the dub to make it an even 20 on the whole list. Uh, check it out. I, I, you know, I don't usually say this, but I think I did some pretty good work. So that's over on SPR site. That's the oil night dot CA. Why I always hesitate when it's dot CA or dot com, but I'm pretty positive it's dot CA. 
Um, yeah, but you know, Google the oil night and you'll, you'll find it. Uh, I also, I, I, I posted it on my site, uh, but I encourage you, if you're going to read it, go check it out on Sean's. That's, uh, that's where you need to go see it. So anyway, thanks again for listening. Sorry. I kept you so long and, uh, check you next time.